I think maybe when I was a bit younger and earlier on in my career was to probably not take the the mistakes or the negativity quite so personally, not to quite not take it to heart so much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the best piece of advice I'd probably give my my younger self. Uh, but other than that, you know, I've you know I've had a you know I've very much enjoyed my career. You know, the good and the bad. You know, there's it's all part of of what makes us up to to who we are as individuals and um you know life without experiences isn't really life at all welcome to another episode of the burnt chef journal hosted by myself the founder chris hall of the burnt chef project today's guest is matt abay from gordon ramsay's three michelin star restaurant and it was a great opportunity to gain some insight into how matt works with his team as well as the relationship that he's had with Gordon Ramsay as well. And I've delved a little bit into that during this chat. I wanted to thank Matt for his open and honest conversation. It was fantastic to be able to talk to him. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Before we get going though, here's a quick word from our sponsors. Lamb Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being through potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project. Here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Morning, Matt. How are you? Very well, Chris. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all, thank you. It's uh, Friday, whatever that means nowadays. (laughs) Friday, it's raining. (laughs) Yeah, looking forward to a weekend which involves pretty much the same as we've been doing most of the week, eh? Exactly right. I mean, that's just, yeah, pretty much the sum total of what it is like at the moment. (laughs) Oh, mate. I mean... uh, Thank you, uh, thank you for joining us. I'm sure that even over lockdown, you've still been relatively busy. Have you been up to much? I mean, it is what it is, really. Just started, so we've obviously menu planning a little bit as well, and that sort of thing. This has been going on, so you know, it just takes. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to know at the moment because you don't really know what season we're going to go back to. So, no, I was um, funny enough. I sat and I were chatting about this a couple of weeks ago, and we said. Uh, you know, if we time it right, we might be able to get back for the asparagus season, but then that's moving earlier and earlier every year anyway. So the chances it is, are... It is, yeah. You... I mean, who knows? I mean, I don't know. I mean, obviously we've had quite a hot summer, so... Um, and the winter's been... Well, it's been fairly mild again, I'd have to say. I mean, I know we've had a little bit of snow, but it's it's probably been quite a mild winter. So, yeah, it probably will come quite early. Um, I know we, we, uh, we use some uh, amazing French asparagus and... The first time I started using them, the season started on the first of Feb. That's uh, that's Monday, isn't it? So, <laughs> well, we get get some nice white asparagus and purple asparagus on the go then, and we, you know, uh, at least it gives us something Absolutely. to play with at home before we end up yeah. um, going stir crazy. As long so, as we don't miss out morels. <laughs> oh, I know, I know. Well, it's it's that, and you know, it's all the other seasons as well that we're missing. Like the the wild mushroom season, we pretty much missed at the back end of last year because we weren't really able to take advantage of it. But hopefully it means that the mycelia have had the chance to to expand and then the following year will be will be a hell of a lot better, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, hope, hopefully. I mean, the thing is, it, it's... Well, yeah, like, I mean, we missed asparagus last year. Um, 
we kind of we got the, the the beginning of Jersey rolls, but then they were pretty much you know we we're all cooking them at home, but you know we weren't cooking them in the restaurant, so it's oh success. We've stopped the beeping noise. <laughs> Fine. What's uh, what's going on in the kitchen today then? Is baking. Uh, yeah, we're just using up some uh, very ripe bananas. I don't know what I don't know what we're having yet, so just keeping it a surprise. It's not banana bread, I've been told. So, <laughs> I was gonna say, no, all, all, everything points, you know, if, to banana bread if the banana's being used. But I'm in, I'm intrigued. I'll be uh, if we finish, if you finish before the end of this podcast, I'd be like, like to see see the end result. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, maybe it's muffins. There you go, banana muffins. Muffins, fantastic. Um, I would also on a, on a slightly more. Um, sort of salesy note i'd be very interested in having a chat with sally at a separate date on the podcast as well because one thing we haven't had yet is um influential sort of women on this podcast and i would re- really like to try and level that out um yeah no she'd be uh she'd be definitely uh up for having a chat i'm sure fantastic thank you very much so well without further ado we'll sort of crack on um we've got quite a few bits to sort of to go through i, I, I mean i'm primarily sat here listening to you uh but um I suppose the the first thing is if you could just for anyone who might perhaps not know who you are, just give yourself a sort of a bit of a bit of a quick introduction and a bit of a bio about yourself, Matt. That'd be great. Thank you. Sure. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm the chef the chef patron at Restaurant Gordon Ramsay. Uh, I've worked for Gordon now for nearly 14 years. Uh, originally from Australia, from Sydney, uh, where I worked at some amazing restaurants. Uh, one called Aria. Uh, in Sydney, and then one called Vidamond in Melbourne. Uh, I moved over to the UK at the age of 21, um, and I've been here since. I'm now 36. Um, you know, and yeah, I had a started my career at 16. Um, very uh, humble beginnings uh, in an RSL in Australia, which is uh, like a return servicemen's league. So it's like a a big club. Um, uh, like a community kind of club, um, we used to serve a thousand covers a day, uh, and now we've now I've dropped back to restaurant Gordon Ramsay doing ninety covers in a day. It's a <laughs> it's a nice change. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and I've always I've very much um, you know so pretty much from the the second year of my career I've always worked in fine dining restaurants. Um, it's where my my heart and my passion is. I really I really love the uh, attention to detail and. And what goes into uh, running a fine dining restaurant in the kitchen? It's completely. Uh, I suppose dropping back from a thousand covers a day to to ninety, it seems even working for for characters like Gordon Ramsay it should be a, a doddle in comparison. Hey. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> not 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 quite. Not quite. Obviously, no. The thing is, though, when you're when you're dealing with lower number of covers, it allows you to. Um, Offer more attention to detail to to every plate of food and every aspect of the of the business and the environment. You know, it's you you remain more control than, for instance, say the a thousand covers. The the printers the printers the boss. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hear that ticket machine going, and that's it. You're uh, you're in straight in automation mode, hey? Yeah. Well, we're lucky at Restaurant Gordon Ramsay. Everything's still handwritten. We have no uh, electronic checks, so it's still the uh, still a very nice way to uh to operate a business i have to say it's a very it's a big touch and something i you know honestly i wouldn't want to change yeah it's an interesting it's interesting and we'll come on a little bit more to sort of the operational side of 
of how you operate with your team and sort of their well-being and, and efficiencies because i mean i guess everything within a restaurant of of that level of perfectionism has has to be a you know beautifully well-oiled machine so i'm quite intrigued to t- touch upon that a bit later on if we can um so what was it that sort of made you fall in love with food in the first place i mean 16 is uh sort of the a good good age to get into hospitality but what what drew you to it um well, growing up in Australia, um, my my parents. So we we used to, um, you know, obviously have a lot of lot of friends from all different, um, you know, backgrounds. And you know, I think as kids, you know, kids always, you know, you trade your your lunchbox meals, you trade uh, you trade bits and pieces along the way, um, you know. And I think it was just, you know, you'd share little bits and pieces with your mates at school. So you get to try different things, whether, you know, my friends were from Malaysia or they're from Sri Lanka or Pakistan or anywhere like that. You just get to try or understand different little staples of their of their daily routine versus my, you know, probably Vegemite sandwich that my mum would have packed for me or something like that. So it's, um, yeah. And then I, to re- the rest of my food culture um, or background, I mean, my grandparents um, travelled a lot in the, well, pretty much throughout their life they've done a lot of travel through their business and then uh in retirement and as they got older they spent a lot of time traveling the world and exploring different places and different cuisines and things and um we as a family when we sort of met up you know we used to go out for you know used to go to the local like a chinese restaurant or you go to the indian or you know i've had that obviously amazing uh multicultural in australia you could go to the malaysian restaurant or we could go to a, a thai and you know, I just very much as a kid just tried everything pretty much. You know, there was nothing that I wouldn't, you know, just give it, I'd give it a go at least once. Um, but I think some of my my fondest, simplest, you know, food memories come from times shared with, with my grandparents and my family. And, you know, in the, in the right season, you know, avocados in Australia are absolutely amazing. And a simple thing used to just be uh, an avocado split in half, salt pepper a little bit of vinaigrette um inside and i just remember you know that that used to be a little starter or something for a a little family meal um but yeah just simple things like that just real that kind of basic things and you know even watching my grandfather you know after finishing a sunday roast or a dinner he'd go and grab a slice of bread to always mop up the last little remnants of sauce or whatever it was left on the plate you know just to make sure he saved every last every last mouthful um but yeah, I think um, what drew me to becoming a chef, uh, my whole life, um, my mum used to do, keep these like little records, you know, she'd put my school photo in, measure how tall I was, write down who my friends were, my favourite colour, all that sort of things. Um, and one of the little questions on this little page she used to fill in like every year as I was a kid was, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um, and from an early age, it went every year between chef or a, a fighter pilot or defense forces. That was kind of my my variation always. Um, and then, yeah, as I said, at 16, an opportunity arose where, you know, the reality of becoming a chef became very real. Um, and I was absolutely amazed by the, that possibility and opportunity and asked my parents and my mum was, uh, yeah, let's speak to your father. And my dad was very, very much at the time, no, you need to finish school. Um, but I only took a weekend of, of talking to them and then they spoke to one of my school teachers and 
uh, I managed to convince them and to, for them to, uh, I went back to school for one more week and then left. Uh, and then, as they say, the rest is history, I guess. That's amazing. And I mean, in terms of the perception of what a, what a chef life was like in terms of comparing that to the reality, was there, was it everything you expected it to be or, or more? Yeah, I mean, so before I really took on the apprenticeship role or the job in Australia, I, I had done one week's work experience um, in, the, in that restaurant and it just, uh, you know, it blew me away. Just the whole, the buzz and the, the buzz of service and the, obviously having to have things ready by a certain time and obviously have it being my first job first time I stepped foot in the kitchen everything you everything you do is everything you do is new and exciting like there's always something new and exciting to see every day um you know and I think that was um that was a real draw card card and as I said I just love the buzz and the energy of of service and working with a team and you know, obviously everyone, you know, being on the road to seven days a week, you know, things change all the time. So it was always working with different people. And I mean, when I look back at now, the things they used to let me be involved in or do, I mean, I probably wouldn't have trusted myself at 16 to be allowed to to do certain things. But, you know, I was given that sort of responsibility or job task as being part of the team. But one of the biggest things I felt, I think, at 16 was kind of coming into that environment of all of a sudden I was in an adult's world um, and that was a little bit of a, a shock I think but at the same time um, I worked with some fantastic people that um, sort of almost looked out for me you know as, as like a you know I was I was just a kid in the kitchen um, you know and they would try to you know assimilate on my level and obviously food was always the great talking point but then we we I made some good friendships with a few people and you know even on my days off we'd either go and play a game of golf or you know I remember going to a few uh, concerts and things with a few of the guys from the kitchen so it was always um yeah, it was always a good camaraderie and good environment I think a kitchen brings yeah it's like a um, it's almost like a tribe environment isn't it where you know the elders look out for for the youngsters and and bring you through the ranks they eh? take you under their wings yeah absolutely I mean um I think, yeah, and it's it's like it is very much does very much have that instinct sometimes where, you know, the young ones or the people come in and they want to they want to fit in, they want to prove themselves, but it's not necessarily what you do. It's more about how the attitude they apply to it every day, and then the senior ones will will kind of clock on to the the good attitudes or the good the good bodies, the good people that we've got in the kitchen, and and very much as you said, nurture them and. You know that that's the funny thing is sometimes the the people that end up doing the nurturing aren't necessarily the mentor that I would have potentially picked for that individual to gravitate to. You know, um, so it's quite interesting to see sometimes how how the dynamic of a kitchen can change at uh, any second. Well, I suppose now that you're in charge of sort of a, a team yourself, it's it's not just about. Uh, who you perhaps on paper would put together it's about who you relate to and, and who you feel almost like you see a little bit of yourself perhaps in some of those younger younger individuals yeah absolutely I mean when I'm looking when I'm taking anyone on in the team I don't really necessarily look for past experience or um skill set I won't be like oh can you go and bring miles a shallot for me or something and then if they can't do it I won't give them a job it's not not really about the practical skills because you know, I, what I've come to believe and understand is, you know, you can teach, you can teach a chef how to cook. You can teach them how to how to do that. But 
it's trying to find those individuals that have that natural uh, yearning to learn and, and the want to succeed. Um, and provided they've got that, you can, you know, I'm more than happy to always give my time and, you know, for them to become part of our team to to grow and to to learn. And, you know, obviously at the end of the day, yeah, I used to get very frustrated sometimes that, oh, you know, why is, why is that not how like I've done it or how we used to do it in the past or why, you know, but rather than asking those questions, the reality is it's just having that mature understanding now that, yeah, we're not all the same. Um, you know, what one chef will achieve in two years might take another chef three, four, five years. Um, but it's it's as long as that individual has that persistence and will succeed, um, then they've got my support or they've got the team support to, to get them there and to for them to be part of our team and to, to grow. Yeah, and this is a key topic that one of the ones that we try to focus on when we when we speak to business owners is about understanding that not everyone is, can be tarred with the same brush and everyone is individuals and they have their own unique you know, strengths and weaknesses and things take different times. And I think, as you say, it's uh, it takes a certain stage of, uh, of a manager's journey to be able to identify that and, and say, well, do you know what, it's not a case of why haven't you done it, it's like how do we get you there and, and what's the ongoing process look like? But um, it leads me quite nicely on, actually. I mean, at the age of 36, uh, to have been in such a prominent role from such an early age as well. Like, I mean, what was what was that like? How, how did you go from being in Australia to being chef patron of a, a three Michelin star restaurant working with one of the sort of well-known names in the industry? Um, I mean, as I said, like, well, yeah, if I look at if if someone were to ask me, oh, could you write up your CV for you? I've got a grand total of five jobs on my CV. Um, and I think the way, you know, the way I was is, uh, you know, I just, I'm very, you know, I'm a very headstrong kind of person. Um, and if someone tells me that I can't do something, I will just keep trying to go and go and go until I can, or until I can succeed at what you've just told me I couldn't do or couldn't achieve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, um, you know, as I've progressed through my career, I've always tried to make uh, the right choice. Um, and I've I've always been very focused on what it was, where I wanted to get to, and what I wanted to achieve at that time. Um, you know, I didn't, I wouldn't go and attend, you know, five job interviews. I'd pick my my number one. I'd put all my energy into, you know, job job number one and whatever it was. And um, you know, I never went to a second interview for another job. You know, every every career chose a step I took. Um, it's like getting the job at Aria. I went for a trial and it was amazing. And uh, the head chef at the time said to me, "Oh, Matt, we haven't um, we haven't actually got a position for an apprentice like today or right now, but but keep in touch and you know I'm sure something will pop up along the way." So I called them two times a week for six weeks, um, and I think maybe either it was out of the fact of me annoying them or something actually <laughs> came available. That yeah, then my position was made available for me. Um, uh but yeah i think um yeah just through my career i've just tried to you know always i've always had the ambition of of taking on a role in a restaurant for a long term position not not a short term gain um you know i've never taken a job just for the sake of trying to fill in a gap um it's always been a decision that i've wanted to make um, you know, I'm ne- and I've never really left another job until I'd secured my role at my new job. And I always tried to do that with the blessing of of the uh, the, the team and the, the chef that I'd worked for prior to that. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it was actually that chef had 
very much sat back and thought, yeah, great. This is a great opportunity for your progression. How can I help you? Or what, what can I do to guide you or steer you in the right direction to securing that next role or that next opportunity that you, you will need? So um, very much a lot of my chef mentors in Australia, when I moved to the UK, uh, opened up many op- opportunities and doors for me. Um, but obviously it was the, the Gordon Ramsay door that I went knocking on and um, I was very fortunate in the sense that, um, yeah, I took the job at Claridge's and Sarger basically said, let us know when you get here and what day you want to start and off you go, you're good to go. Um, which was a, which is an amazing experience in the sense of the fact I didn't have to do a trial or anything like that. I literally just called them up and was like, hi, I've moved to London. I'm ready. <laughs> um, uh, but then, yeah, through the, you know, the Gordon Ramsay group has, has always supported me. Um, back in the day, it was obviously assisting me to sort out my visa um, so I could continue to work in the UK. And, um, you know, I was very fortunate. As I said, I've been at uh, Claridge's for, well, a year. And when I came back from Australia from securing my, my visa, I was promoted to sous chef. Um, and it was two years at Claridge's. I kind of, I was just yearning for more again. Um, I wanted, I just wanted to be challenged. I wanted to be pushed. I wanted to, you know, elevate the the cuisine and kind of get more into that, more in, attention to detail. And obviously the natural progression was that, well, why don't you go down to hospital road and go for a trial? So I, uh, I went down to hospital road for a trial. Um, Claire was the chef at the time, but she actually was uh, away. I think the day that I had my first trial, um, doing some, something with Gordon and you know the sous chef was there and then Mark Askey turned up and to run the kitchen during service and it it was it was crazy I had no idea like literally going back to there was almost like starting my career all over again um literally from having to be taught how how to peel a carrot because they had a specific way or what they wanted to do and you know, it was kind of one of those giddy moments where yeah funny haha having watch boiling point in the past but then all of a sudden you're actually you know, you stood in that kitchen, um, you know, it's like the theory of dreams in a sense, you're standing in there and you're, you're now allowed to be a part of what what happened there or the history that that restaurant's renowned for in a sense. And it was, um, it was a great buzz. And obviously I love that day and I stayed in touch with Claire and she said, well, if you want a job, you still need to come and do a trial when I'm here. So I had to come and do another day. Um, which was, which was really good, really nice. Um, came in and, you know, I was, yeah, I was hooked after the first experience, the first day it was where I wanted to, where I saw myself wanting to be. And, um, you know, I very much, you know, gravitated toward that and that, that opportunity was made for me. I think I left Claridge's like two weeks later and started at restaurant Gordon Ramsay and, uh, started on the garnish, uh, where I, you know, worked out for a, worked there for a year and, at the time I felt like it, it felt like it was forever. Mm. But looking back on it now, like the respect that I've got for, for all the vegetables and the different forms of preparation, but also having been and having an opportunity to be on a section throughout all the seasons, you know, it gives you that amazing depth of, uh, of knowledge and awareness. Um, and then, yeah. So if I was, I had made it quite clear to Claire at a point that I, you know, was looking to sort of progress and move up. And, you know, she made it kind of clear to me that now wasn't the time. She didn't, you know, just kind of had said to me that, you know, it wasn't the right time. And I, that, that little bit of kind of knockback kind of spurred me on and gave me that extra sense of determination to essentially, yeah, prove her wrong. 
um, as such. And uh, yeah, the progress made there, obviously made to sous chef, um, which is an amazing, you know, big sort of sense of achievement. And then, you know, just throughout those years of just that, just that work ethic and, you know, being part of the team and, you know, it, it wasn't easy. It definitely wasn't easy. You know, we had our good times and our bad times in that kitchen, as as every restaurant, every kitchen does. Mm. Um, you know, and then um, 2013, uh, when Claire was promoted to Chef Patron, a few months later, I was then, uh, she then promoted me to Chef de Cuisine, uh, which was, again, was a massive, a massive achievement. I remember that day, um she came up to me at the start of the the dinner service and handed me a, a white apron um a, a white waist apron and she said there you go put that on and that for me was that sort of it, it was just a small gesture but it was a big moment a big sense of of kind of achievement but then you know it's never like an achievement it's tick the box we're done you know every day you gotta keep keep working at it you keep progressing it never ends yeah. Uh, and then yeah and then obviously down the line, uh, Claire had her plans to to move on to you know open open core or to do her thing, and um, you know between herself and Gordon and I, a lot of conversations were had about you know what my commitment level was or where I wanted to be, and obviously that role was then made available for me, and it's something that yeah I I grabbed obviously with two hands straight away. There was no question about it. Um, uh, it was a very daunting experience in the sense of. You know, I'd I'd run the kitchen. You know, I'd run the kitchen. I'd done all those things, but then all of a sudden, to to actually be standing there on your own, essentially, and having to make those decisions, um, was a was a great experience. Um, it's very challenging at times, of course. Um, but the great thing with you know Gordon, you know, and even with Claire still today is that we have an amazing relationship, and you know, they're always someone that I can go to for some advice or a sounding board or you know, someone to kind of, you know, back me up and say, no, no, yeah, you, you did make the right decision or or instead of that, have you thought about this or that? So it's always good to have that, you know, relationship. I think it's really important. It's quite an interesting, um, it's quite an interesting point, actually, because it's one that I've I've always been intrigued about. Obviously, you know, the likes of likes of Gordon's got quite a reputation for being very passionate and very fiery within, within the kitchen environment. But what we've never really seen or, I've personally never really seen is the mentorship side of things and how he encourages the best out of people and, and works with you as an individual. And but I, I don't know, have you got much to sort of say? Could you give us a bit of an insight about what it's like? Is it? Is it yeah, more- of course, of course. I mean, you know, working with someone like Gordon. Obviously, you look. If I have, uh, you know, Gordon, and I, Gordon could be anywhere in the world. You know, obviously, you've got, you know, he's a very busy man and. But at any one moment in time, if I need to speak to him, you know, if I just call him, he'll answer the phone. We can have a conversation no matter what's going on. Um, you know, the level of support is always there. It's very, very strong. And the, and the guidance as well. And, um, you know, I am, you know, it's an amazing opportunity, amazing role that I hold and what I do because, you know, I am allowed that freedom of, you know, I do create the menu and I do set the tone for the restaurant, you know, and um, the refurbishment we did in the kitchen couple of years ago that was totally um you know my you know sort of ideas or driving force and things like that but obviously we worked together as a collaborative and you know Gordon was said oh I've seen this and this and this what do you think about this and I said well I've you know seen this and that and you know it was a a working together in a way but you know when for instance he comes into hostel road now obviously everyone's like hi Gordon you know he says hello to everyone goes around says hello to everyone personally and then 
but if he sees something wrong in the service or you know he sees something slide past or maybe him and I have a conversation and you know I um you know something happens or he sees something he wants to question he'll just question it to me or he'll mention it to the senior member of team that's responsible around them and then it's obviously up to us to rectify address discipline so on and so forth that's required you know it's not you know the Gordon Ramsay that I know isn't the Gordon Ramsay that you you know you see on you know TV and that, that sort of personality you know I, the person that I know is he's always been there to support me um to to help me uh personally and professionally um you know but as I said it, sometimes it's just those those words of encouragement or those words of advice or you know or it's it's just another another opinion you know another set of eyes fresh out of the box essentially you know it just gives you that other something to kind of bounce off and to gel with um you know and Ian's the same with the food you know well Gordon will come in and try something I mean I'm not going to give him something that I don't think's right anyway but he'll come in and try something he might have an opinion um about it and but as he'll always tell me he says well you know I'll give you my opinion but it's up to you as if you want to take it on board take what you want out of what I said and you know if you take one percent from what I said then he's happy with that you know it's up to me to kind of uh interpret you know what he said and you know how I feel about you know whatever whatever it is we're going through at that moment in time what we're going to change or so you know it's a it's a very much it's not it's a mentorship, but also a friendship at the same time. Um, and obviously being in the role I am, you know, when we come to make business decisions, you know, these are things that Gordon and I make together. Um, you know, he doesn't, he'll ask me my, my opinion, my questions. I've got ideas. I ask him, um, you know, as I said, you know, he'll interject, he, he'll put his thoughts in, then I'll put my counter thoughts in so on and so forth. And, you know, the, we, we actually get to a result quite quickly normally because we've got that kind of two sets of eyes and the way it kind of, you know, two different ways of looking at things. So, no, it's very supportive and very positive. It's good to understand a little bit more about the dynamics of how it goes on behind the scenes, because it's, you know, often what we see is what's televised and what's, what's publicly seen is sort of a one-way communication streak. But what you're actually saying is, you know, he's a, he's a great mentor in terms of the way that he gets you to propose his ideas and gets you to think and to negotiate around certain subjects and, and really sort of prompts that creative and spurs that more creative drive. And it's a collaborative collaborative effort, which I find I find refreshing. And I'm pleased to hear it's that way and not just like you've taken, you know, you've taken years of years of what we've seen. Um, well, yeah, thank you for that insight, man. It's class. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, you, the kitchen today or the kitchen of, you know, of recent years gone by is not, the kitchen of what what people saw in the early 2000s mm. um you know kitchen environments have changed drastically um and that's not just in ours i think that's in every restaurant every kitchen i would like to think you know a lot of people a lot of people have changed and you know change their approach on things and you know it's um you know even you know even my wife with sally you know she she also inspires me to change things um you know all the time because you know, sometimes when you've been in an environment for so long, it is hard to sort of see outside the box, essentially. Um, and it's sometimes it's just little notions of little ideas or, you know, small little changes that can happen, um, which, you know, I think having, you know, when you're inside that moment in time, having been there for so long, you are scared. You're a little bit, uh, you know, reluctant of some change. 
Um, and then all of a sudden when you do it, you think to yourself, why do we not do that years ago, weeks ago, months ago? You know, you have those reflective moments, but it doesn't matter. There's no point in worrying about like, you know, drawing back all oh, the could have, would have, should have, if we had, it's okay. Now we've done it. Great. What's, what's next on the agenda? What's now next thing that we could change to progress or move forward? Um, you know, and I think dealing with, uh, yeah, one thing I think being a chef or, you know, being a manager or something, you know, it's, there's no necessary amount of training, I think, really prepares you or no book reading or that really prepares you for real life situations or actually what goes on day to day. Um, and it just comes down to the end is just having that humility and, you know, thinking, you know, oh, it's that age old thing, you know, oh, back in my day, but the whole back in my day needs to, not, that needs to be not the point we look at now because we're not back in that day. We're now in this day or, you know, this period of time, this century or whatever it is, you know, and the, you know, people have to change their approach and, you know, break the mold or break what, what was always done doesn't mean you can't change it you know you just have to go about it we just go about things in a different way or assess those situations and evolve and adapt yeah it's a good point that you've raised this the hospitality industry has been notoriously um it's got a reputation for being a reactive industry in the case of like we're always pushing what's coming up next is what we've got to deal with whether it's that day's service or tomorrow's service or whether it's procedures or you know behaviors but I think where we're starting to, we're, we're over the last sort of 10, 15 years, we've seen a radical change, but we're starting now to become much more forward thinking and going, okay, what else can we do that's going to completely change the way in which we operate and it's going to provide a whole wealth of additional benefits? And it's it's an interesting, I mean, it's a great time to be part of this industry for a start, you know, and I think those that are coming into it now are going to get so much opportunity to not just have a better work-life balance and, you know, better surroundings, but they're going to come into a much more nurturing environment than perhaps we would have done even 10 years ago. Yeah, I think maybe, yeah, I think very much, I mean, I think kitchens have always, there's always been a little bit of nurture somewhere along in a kitchen. I always believe like I've never been in a kitchen. that's just hostility 24 seven, you know, it's never been like that. There's always been, you know, I've always found, that I've, you know, received some form of nurturing from a senior member of the team whilst I've been part of that kitchen. You know, you gravitate toward an individual, whether it be the head chef, the sous chef, or, you know, a chef de party or a senior chef de party within the brigade. You know, you kind of, someone has always been, you know, your your wingman, your little angel on your shoulder there that kind of, you know, has got your back all the time. Yeah. Um, but I think as, you know, as obviously, you know, the this last sort of 12 months that the industry as a whole has gone through it, it's as frustrating it has been to to not be able to do what we love and what we live for every day um it's also you know for myself as well i think it's also been an amazing time and opportunity to actually stop sit back think reset refresh and refocus and and you know but in a sense we've been we've all been forced to do that um i don't think any restaurant or any business when when they got the opportunities to reopen or when we do have the opportunity to reopen we'll just go back to doing exactly what they did say 2019 you know it's not a case of that anymore we've all had to change we've all had to adapt um you know and evolve businesses and uh you know look at our approaches and make 
make changes and you know and at the end of the day some of those changes yeah obviously they're made for a business choice a business decision but the other time too they're also for the people the benefits come out of that for the people within the business um which as i said yeah i think it's definitely going to make for a great um future for for the industry and um you know hopefully you know i think chefs now are a lot more open and sort of collaborative and friendly with each other versus so maybe 10 20 years ago it was a lot more kind of dog eat dog and no one wanted to share or help or support whereas now obviously the industry is it is a huge it's a massive industry mm. um you know and friendships are you know you know chefs calling up chefs from other restaurants oh i saw how you I saw you did something or i saw you got this product you know like would you mind if i were to use that as well or, or where did you get that from or you know everyone you know people ask me questions i ask people questions all the time and you know at the end of the day it's just about being open and sort of free and sharing sharing some of those ideas and things with everyone because in the, the day the more we do that the, the stronger and the better more beneficial the industry will all become and um you know obviously there are people out there that are doing things that are you know out of the box essentially and it's just going to take time for people to reach out to those individuals or say to them, Oh, how did you make said decision or, you know, certain new application work? And then, you know, each of us, you know, every restaurant, no, no two restaurants are ever the same. So it's always going to be a situation where each chef or each restaurateur or management level is going to have to take an idea or a concept and see how it's going to filter through and work in their environment and their business model and their setup. So, yeah. You know, challenging times, but also exciting times. And, you know, there's going to be, I think, a renewed sense of uh, excitement and opportunity for people. And, you know, particularly when we get out of situation, the lockdown we're in now, I guess. And hopefully as things pick up and we can return to some form of normality, even though I'm sure it'll be a new version of normality. But, you know, the level of positivity that I think will come out of this will uh, be really high. Yeah, massively so. I mean, I'm continually astounded by how not just resilient the industry is, but how much there is that free radical sharing of ideas and that community spirit. And it's, I mean, I'm, I could be wrong, but I would say it's something that we've definitely seen more of since lockdown because we're all thrust into the same boat. And if anything, the sharing of whether it's policies, management policies, whether it's, you know, use of ingredients or recipes or, you know, even sommeliers talking to each other about the new and upcoming wines that might be coming out. It's it's all spurring us on to be a bigger and better industry together, um, which I th- I mean, bearing in mind the shit circumstance we found ourselves in over the last year, I think is a huge, huge positive um, to really sort of be highlighted over this period of time. Um, Absolutely. I, I would totally agree with you on that. And, you know, it's that it is, well, I guess, you know, if we all look back at history, I guess it's always the tough times or those pinching moments that define history or make those, they are the moments in time where pivotal change happens. So I guess that's now. Mm. And again, it's uh, it nicely brings me on to a point. I mean, obviously your career has been, you've obviously worked hard. You're a very driven individual and, and I, I can resonate with that. You sort of just hold yourself accountable and challenge yourself and I love that. Um, but it can't have always been sort of easy and smooth sailing. And that challenge is always something that, you know, you've, you've attacked with the same level of uh, persistence. I mean, there must have been times perhaps within your career that it's got the better of you or it's got on top of you. I'd, I'd be interested if you feel comfortable about just sort of talking about those times if they've happened. 
of course I have. Of course. I mean, I think um, look, there's been times that, you know, all moments in my career, I think we're in jobs where I thought, you know, enough's enough. Like, do I want to keep subjecting myself to this this level of, you know, not punishment, but do I want do I want to wake up every day feeling the way I feel right now? Or, you know, and obviously look, we all have good days, we all have bad days. You know, and I know as a young cook, sometimes those bad days could seem to last for a week, a month. There could be a month where I just, you know, maybe wasn't quite on form or, you know, you kind of it's always it's a very hard hard lifestyle because it goes like a roller coaster sometimes because you could be on the you know, you could be on, you could be at the top of that roller coaster, having like a great little journey up, and you know, everything you seem to do is is always really moving, progressing really well, and getting really strong. And then, you know, the chef looks at you and goes, "Oh, oh cool, you've got that section under control. Let's put you on this next section." And all of a sudden, you hit rock bottom again. You go straight to the bottom of the pile, and you know, because I think a lot of the time, I think in the kitchen is, you know, as young cooks, you look at. You look at other people, you look at like, oh, how hard I'm working, what I've got to do. And you look at the other sections, you're like, oh, you know, say if you're on the garnish or, you know, you're on the hot section, you're looking over at the cold section, you're like, oh, they're, they're picking salad or they've just got this, like, oh, it's not that hard. Then all of a sudden you go over there and you realise that it is just as difficult. It's just a different, different day. You, your day just runs differently. Um, you know, and that's that roller coaster moments. And I think, I remember when I was, I think when I was quite young, I didn't have too many down moments because I think I was just young and naive and it was just like, yeah, go, 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 go. Like it's no, there's no, there was no time to think. It was just that kind of level of excitement. Um, but I think when I moved to Melbourne uh, at, so what was I, 19, I started at Vidamond. I you know, got a flat, I got a one bed flat on my own. I lived on my own. Um, and my whole life for those two years was very much just work, come home, go to work you know my days off were, you know my days off I used to spend a lot of time sort of on my own you know just catching up with the chores you know doing the laundry or you know, I used to go out for a, a cycle on my bike um, on my own it was a lot of time just sort of I think I was just more really exhausted I think <laughs> I probably was just you know kind of not hibernating but yeah I just very much spent a lot of um, a lot of me time at that point and you know, sometimes in those instances you think, oh, it'd be nice if there was someone else in the flat, like say if it was a flat chair. They might not have anything to do with our industry. It might be someone that works in finance or God knows a nurse or anything like that. But you could just be sat there and you could have a chat about other things. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, there was definitely some times, you know, when I was working at Rudimon that were that were very difficult, very, very challenging, you know, kind of um <clears throat> you know, very much ways I don't see happen anymore, but, you know, the kind of mind games, I think that people used to play with people and, um, you know, words, you know, sometimes words can be a lot more hurtful than an action, essentially. Uh, you know, and then obviously there was, <clears throat> you know, there's been times, as I said, in all my jobs, you know, you know, even times at Hospital Road where I've just, you know, kind of almost worked myself to, like levels of exhaustion and you just don't you don't want to kind of give up but no one no one made me do that it was me actually making myself do that you know and it was mm. you know there's been a lot of times where I just haven't you know haven't taken holiday I haven't taken time for a rest for myself 
And it was no, no, as I said, no one was saying, oh, Matt, you can't have holidays. I just didn't bother to take them. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, which, which, you know, when you're young, I think maybe you think, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a hero or, you know, I'm just grafting away, grafting away. This is really good. But, you know, now as, you know, now as I'm matured and, you know, you start to realize that, that, you know, those moments in time are actually important. You do need to take time to take a rest and take a break. And um, believe it or not, when you're not in the kitchen, the world's not going to come crumbling down. You know, you've got, you know, if you've built a great team around you and you've got, you've trained your team properly and you've got everyone doing what they need to do and everyone feels valued and everyone feels that they're invested, then, you know, it's going to be, you know, just as good whether you're there or you're not there. Um, but I still believe you still need to be part of that, you know, environment and that team. So, yeah, I mean, we all have our downtimes, and there's been times, obviously, too, as I've been, uh, you know, you know, in recent years, there's been, you know, a few situations that have occurred, you know, within the restaurant, um, not personally for me, but for for other members of my team that have kind of really shocked me, and kind of open my eyes to, you know, maybe noticing early warning signs of different, you know, of people's, of people's mindsets and people's mental health. And, um, yeah, I think we very much sometimes just kind of, yeah, just get on with it. Just keep going and keep going. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. But actually, you know, there's been, you know, there's times we have to stop. We have to address what's important for each person. Everyone's different. You know, mm. you know, some people, some people convey their emotions quite happily. Some people will never convey any emotion. Um, you know, I've got some staff, you know, you'll, you'll talk to them and you, you know, you can just see the, you can literally see that little tear in their eye because they, they feel that they've, you know, you know, let you down or it's not even letting me down, but they just feel that they've let the team down or they've, they've made a mistake. And actually it's like, guys, it's okay. You know, we learn from this, we'll get better. And you've got other people that will just stand there like stone cold looking at you, you know, as if like you, you kind of, you don't even know if what you've said or what's happened has actually had an impact or an effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, as I said, there's been some moments in time where we, you know, we've had some, uh, you know, there's been some times when, you know, I've you know been worried because these are people, these aren't, these aren't just, my employees you know these are this is my family you know and when you know when something's wrong or someone hasn't you know you haven't heard from someone or you know someone hasn't turned up to work you know it is a worrying sign when when they've always been there or they've always done it you know it's moments in time where you yeah it's a big shock real real big shock um and then yeah you have to then sort of you, you learn from those experiences too at the same time you can um you know it's hard sometimes because sometimes you can feel very helpless because you can't seem to fix it. Mm. And yet actually, you know, and realizing understanding now is just being there and just trying to offer the support or just being that person to listen to is, is actually part of the help. It is, it is actually a big part of the solution, but obviously being chefs or being in the hospitality industry, our idea of helping fixing is very, you know, it happens very quickly, doesn't it? You know, we make a mistake, we fix it quickly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, with, with people's mental health, it's not a case of just, it's not, it's not flicking a switch. It's not, it's not just replating that. It's not, you know, uh, changing the cutlery or topping up the glass of wine or whatever. It's not, it's not that simple. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, yeah, you just, just to be there for your team and to, you know, obviously I tried to make my team, 
feel as comfortable as possible and confident they can come and talk to me you know about as I sort of tell them all the time you know I'm here not just not just about work if there's any any problems any issues you know money partners you know anything like that family things you know because obviously we've all you know everyone's got families you know as I said you know there's things could be going on in someone's family life outside of work um which can obviously be affecting their 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 behavior or their you know their mental state so it's important to kind of notice those changes in your team and you know I make a big effort of every time I come in every morning I come in you come around and say I'll say good morning to everyone come to them individually and you know you can kind of gauge from their that initial little bit of conversation every day I think how they're at where they're at you know whether you can see if they're busy obviously they're going to be a bit frantic a bit stressed and then other times you can kind of sort of see people's demeanor and obviously just observing your teams throughout the day and, and how they're reacting and but yeah I'm very fortunate you know I've got a great team of of people around me and you know everyone you know if it's not me they come and talk to they might come and talk to the sous chef or one of the other chefs and then but obviously it always filters back around through you know back to where it's kind of needed sometimes and um that allows for you know much more positive response or more supportive efforts um in times of crisis when it's needed that's amazing and you, i think you hit the nail on the head when you say about just being open to communication is is so beneficial even if it is someone that you can't read we all have it from time to time we talk to someone they just sort of blankly look at you because they don't you know we as you said we're all different some of us express our emotions and wear our heart on our sleeve others others don't and in a team mentality sometimes you don't want to be showing signs of weakness but just to be able to have that open door and, and for people to be able to talk freely and you don't even have to say anything sometimes. The power of that should never be underestimated. And it's it's um it's nice to hear that even at you know three Michelin level it's that's something that's inherent within the team. Um and I guess actually, you know, for for me one of the questions I had was how paramount is that in terms of being able to run uh, you know, that perfect service or, you know, for a lot of people who go into management positions, it's because they're you know they're great at their craft or they're great at a particular skill set. But I think you know as as we start to develop as managers and as we develop as operational teams, we actually realise that people are the, are our assets, and we have to learn a whole new level of skill set to be able to make sure that 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 machine is perfectly oiled and running as efficiently as possible. I mean, to be honest, I don't think there's ever a such thing as a a perfect manager essentially yeah, yeah. i think um you know throughout all of our careers no matter what age it is um we get you know thrusted or we get promoted or put in the positions of managerial roles you know whether it be a you know a sous chef or you know you're a head chef at quite a young age running a brigade and you know i always sometimes i always found it harder as when i was younger you know sort of being in my well it's my mid-20s also road you know, as a sous chef, I could have a, a commie chef that's 30, year old, 30 years old in the kitchen. And now five years doesn't seem like a lot, but it's kind of, you know, sometimes age plays in that mental mental barrier sometimes. And I think, um, you know, when we're all put into those roles, those positions, we've all got there for some reason, because someone believes in us to a point, but, but we never enter that role as a finished article. Um, you're never equipped necessarily with everything you need to go, uh, you know, into that position with. And I think, you know, obviously people try to give you the the, the best start, 
but a lot of it is well, it's very much as a hospitality industry. You constantly, every day, you're learning something new. Every day, there's something different to see. Um, you know, there's always two sides to every story, or there's always another way of doing something. You know, there's not always just the it's not just a one direction all the time. There is always another op- opportunity. You know, take the left path to end up on the right, or vice versa. You know, there is there is always another way around uh, a problem. Um, you know, and I think that is that comes down to the team and to the people that you have around you. And, you know, obviously everyone has, you know, we're not robots. We don't all think exactly the same, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, you can see with, with different members of staff, you know, particularly now I can see with some of my senior team and you know, other people, we can see that some of them have got, you can see their, their stronger attributes in their managerial role. But I know they can all cook. Like that's, or you know, I know they can cook, or I know they can manage the front, or you know, do the front of house, whatever it is they need to do. But I know you can do that role, but it's how you can see certain traits of of how they relate to the rest of the team. You know, some are some are very nurturing, great at teaching skills. Some are very good at motivating or conveying instructions, or or, or making the the team feel very comfortable to come and approach them. Um, you know, and then you've got, as I said, you've got others that are just practical practical based or people will gravitate toward them because of their you know skill set work I think in a sense almost versus their their ability to do said other things you know but that's the thing I, I look at you know I've got two sous chefs and the kitchen will go to both of them but for varying different things all the time yeah, yeah. so you know it's quite interesting you know obviously and also that does come down to personal traits as well you know people some people just generally feel more comfortable approaching a certain person to to communicate with about something personal whereas they feel more comfortable professionally talking to the other person and then the next person next to them might might be vice versa or the other way around so you know there's you know there's a lot of challenges that we all face as managers and we're never a finished product and there's always you know things to learn and you know kind of you know even for us well for myself as well there's always you know, different things to learn or understand and to listen to, you know, it's important to listen to people as well. Mm-hmm. Listen to what they're saying. Um, you know, obviously you, we may have not been through that same experience or we might not see it like that, but if you spend time listening to, to what they have to say, then that then, you know, can also be prompt you to open your eyes and to be kind of, Oh, actually I hadn't seen that like that before. Or, you know, and you start to understand individuals or different situations and how they affect everyone because obviously everything affects everyone differently in a team you know as it does at home in a family life situation as well and it's those paradigm shifts sometimes that can completely turn what you thought you knew completely on its head just by just by using your two ears and shutting your one mouth for for a moment so powerful yeah abs- absolutely you know it's um yeah i think being a good manager isn't it's not about being a dictator you know it's about it's about being there are times yeah when you obviously need to um you know give that level of direction and 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 you need to be that role model and leader but at the same time being a good role model a good leader is also being a good listener um you know it's it's all those parameters of of uh yeah it's not always you know, you learn out all the time. Sometimes the, the the strong part is from the listening to it because then obviously, you know, when we listen to people, when people listen to me and I have a problem and someone listens to what I have to say, then obviously you feel value, don't you? You feel mm. that someone's taking your 
your concern or your idea or whatever it could be, positive or negative, into some form of light. You know, they're giving it the time of day, which at the end of the day is all that we all want. We all just want to be heard. And we, you know, we're all obviously going through different crises or different moments in life at different times. And, you know, it's important that, you know, we've all got, we've all got people or friends or co-workers around us that can be there to support us. And most of the time, the best thing is just someone to, to listen to you. Well said, my friend. Thank you. Um, I appreciate your banana muffins are, are pretty much ready from the sound of things. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll look to wrap this up. But one question that I've still not managed to phrase right in the entire time I've been doing this series. But um, I ask every single guest the same question. And I think you've covered a few bits already. But if you were to time travel back and meet a sort of 16 or 18 year old version of yourself, what sort of advice would you give them to... I don't know, perhaps save them making some of the mistakes or just a, a, giving them a little bit of of knowledge for what you know now? Oh, that's a good question, that is, isn't it? Um, look, I'm very, you know, I'm very proud of my career and my life that I've led so far. And, um I think I think if there's one piece of advice I'd like to give myself or if I could train myself to is to I think maybe when I was a bit younger and earlier on in my career was to probably not take the the mistakes or the negativity quite so personally, not to quite not take it to heart so much. Mm-hmm. Um that's probably the best piece of advice I'd probably give my my younger self. Uh, but other than that, you know, I've you know, I've had a you know, I've very much enjoyed my career, you know, the good and the bad, you know, there's it's all part of of what makes us up to to who we are as individuals, and um, you know, life without experiences isn't really life at all. So, I leave it at that. Nice. It's it's almost uh, what was it? I've heard quite frequently at the moment. Psychologists refer to happiness is uh, is found in the pursuit of the goal, not necessarily the goal itself. And along the way, it's the learning process that allows you to develop and grow as an individual. So, uh, yeah, I agree with that very much. Matt, thank you ever so much for your time. I do appreciate it. It's been um, fantastic to talk to you and, and gain a little bit of insight into into your history and, and how you operate, sir. And um, yeah, hopefully at some stage in the future, we can, we can kind of collaborate further. Absolutely. It's been great. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Have a good day and enjoy breakfast. You too. Take care. Cheers, mate. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What an incredible chat with Matt there. I really did enjoy the topic of conversation and how well it flowed. It was really insightful, sort of a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, especially when you're looking at a three Michelin star restaurant. And what's becoming apparent during these conversations is that no matter what level you're operating at in terms of Michelin, rosettes, whether you're running a caterer or a hotel, whatever it might be, ultimately your team are a valuable asset and we are valuing and working in exactly the same ways just at different standards and I think that's an important thing that these podcasts are really starting to highlight. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. Uh, there'll be more, plenty more where that comes from over the next coming weeks as we introduce more and more guests into the podcast and we get to meet some not just influential people within the hospitality industry but also you know general people that hold many different roles within the hospitality industry. And I think it's important that we talk to more and more people to be able to get a better feel for what's going on out there and share some best practices that hopefully will inspire you and will help normalize the conversation 
especially around mental health and well-being. For more information on The Burnt Chef Project, head over to our website, which is theburntchefproject.com, where you'll find a whole host of merchandise and resources there, and help support the project by taking a look through the shop. All the profits that we raise go towards training and destigmatizing mental health, as well as providing support services like the 24-hour text-based service that we're launching. Also, please, if you enjoyed the podcast, take a moment to rate and review us, whether that's on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. And also head over to our YouTube channel as well and subscribe there for a whole host of different content. Again, thanks ever so much for joining us. We'll see you again soon.